It was a call for a contractor to do something deceptively simple. So simple, anyone or any company could do it. Still, the agency asked for experience. It thought it found the right company. Again, this wasn't rocket science, but the losing bidder protested, and here with why it lost, procurement attorney Joe Petrillo of Petrillo and Powell. And this is a pretty strange case, considering the task that was needed. Tell us about it. All right, so this is a contract um, that is awarded by the Army Corps of Engineers uh, for fish counting services, adult fish only, apparently, on the Columbia and Snake Rivers. And so I guess they need to get information about the population of the fish on those rivers, especially near dams, etc. Sounds like and, something for an environmental requirement. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it would make sense to, uh, that it, it was related to that sort of thing. Um, and the solicitation required that the offeror have experience in certain things, including experience in adult fish counting. All right. Now, uh, you say that's a simple thing to do, but I honestly don't know how you would go about counting adult fish in a river, but there are people who, who can do such things. Um, in any event, the, uh, the issue arose because when the awardee was announced, um, a company that also competed protested and said, this company has never had a contract to do adult fish counting. So how can you say they met the requirement for experience in this area? Uh, the defense of the agency was that the awardee, a company called Four Peaks, um, had uh, gone ahead and hired people who had experience in that area. They had a keeper and they proposed them as key personnel for the contract. And they had, you know, fairly extensive experience in doing adult fish counting and similar activities. Uh, so that was their defense. And the question is, what does it mean when the solicitation says the offeror has to have experience, but doesn't clarify, does that mean the company? Does that mean the key employees? Does that mean subcontractors? And, and that is the issue that the GAO had to resolve. One way to make sure that there's no fish to count is to send me fishing because the minute I drop my hook into the water, they're gone. Then it's good that you uh, you weren't uh, proposed as a key person on this on this contract. Um, the the solicitation uh, you know has this sort of general term, and GAO said that when it has uh, that kind of general vague description, then the agency has discretion about whether they want to count proposed personnel or subcontractors, because that kind of experience and even past performance, if that's being evaluated, can be useful uh, in predicting future success. So uh, the moral of the story is, if the solicitation has vague wording, that means the agency has discretion. And here, that discretion might have meant that they could have gone the other way. They might have been able to say that the um, offeror uh, needed to have a corporate experience or institutional experience in doing this uh, sort of activity. Uh, and for someone to protest that, they'd have to show it was an abuse of discretion, which is a, a lot harder to do. That is an interesting uh, point, that idea of institutional expertise. I would say maybe make the analogy of, I don't know, military shipbuilding. And you may or may not have people that know how to lay a keel for a military ship and then do the work and the welding and whatever else is involved, the naval architecture work. But I can see where there might be institutional knowledge in the way you have to account for that kind of work and the systems of supply and financial management that 
the government demands on large-scale projects like that, aside from the actual welding and screwing together of everything. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, the uh, uh, many solicitations do require that kind of institutional knowledge. Some don't. And uh, the moral of the story here is if the solicitation's vague uh, and you're thinking about submitting a proposal and you're concerned about your competition, for example, and you want the agency to be more specific, you've got to raise questions in the pre-proposal stage and try to get the agency to narrow down the, uh, uh, what it means by an offeror and be more specific about that. And in the worst case analysis, if you think it's going to impair your ability to compete or, or prevent you from submitting a proposal altogether, uh, you need to consider protesting before uh, bids or proposals are due. So, uh, you know, that kind of vagueness uh, does give the agency a lot of discretion, but it can put a prospective contractor in a quandary. We're speaking with procurement attorney Joseph Petrillo of Petrillo and Powell, and it also raises another question. That is, if you are looking to expand the supplier base and you want to maybe get more small scale or small businesses involved in your agency to rule out someone because they don't have long federal experience, but they have the technical expertise you need for that job, that would be a mistake also. Well, exactly. And um, I guess that's one of the reasons why in the past performance rules that if an, if an offeror has no past, relevant past performance, it gets a neutral rating. It doesn't get a, a positive rating, but it doesn't get a negative rating either for past performance. It, so there's, a, there's a, a, an interest in, in allowing some new entrants into the field, um, but of course there's always some additional risk in doing so. And you also brought up the issue of timeliness of when the government does decide to do things and when protesters decide to protest. In another case, because of the timing of a protest and the timing of the way the government handled it, the government was on the hook for lawyer costs for a losing bidder. That's right. This is a decision called Valkyrie Enterprises. Um, the Navy decided to take corrective action after uh, the protester had filed its comments on the agency report, uh, and the agency conceded the protest was um, uh, was meritorious. Uh, so the protester sought award of its protest costs, and uh, in this kind of instance where there's corrective action, GAO won't award these unless the corrective action is unduly delayed. Generally speaking, that means if the agency uh, takes corrective action before it files its report. The corrective action is is timely and costs aren't awarded. If they wait until after the report is filed, then generally on a meritorious protest, they have to pay those costs. Uh, GA will recommend that. And here, the, the Navy waited until not only after the report was filed, but after the comments on the report were filed by the protester. So they waited quite some time. Uh, the agency came up with uh, an interesting excuse uh, for why it shouldn't pay costs, and they said they didn't realize how bad their situation was until they read the um, comments filed by the protester and looked up a GAO case that was cited in those comments. Um, and uh, GAO didn't buy the excuse and said, sorry, uh, you're going to have to to pay. Uh, we recommend that you pay protest costs. So the takeaway here is that uh, the agencies need to do their own legal research and uh, can't claim that they're ignorant of the case law in um, delaying to take corrective action. 
All right. So, you know, there's what, probably 2,500 protest actions a year. Most of them are decided in the government's favor. We have one of each case that we've discussed today. What's your expectation in the coming year as the government goes after, at least DOD especially, we mentioned the Army Corps of Engineers, goes after smaller and more non-traditional types of vendors? Do you have any expectation that will increase the number of protests or maybe have no effect? You know, I have given up trying to guess the the trend of protest activity. Uh, there are so many factors involved, and it's um, it's such a difficult thing to figure out that usually my my prognostications have proven wrong. Uh, the only thing that seems to be consistent, though, is that the number of protests doesn't really vary wildly from one year to the to the other. And that is kind of an interesting statistic, given the very large amount of procurement activity that takes place, only a small fraction of which is ever protested. Joseph Petrillo is a Washington procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom.